Hi, Sally. Hey, Tyla. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here and talk to you and have this podcast episode today. Oh, I can't even, I can't even put it into words. Totally. I hear you. I feel you. I'm with you 100%. Sally and I haven't really spoken in like a week and a half, so I have so much I want to say, (laughs) but I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Sally, what is the best thing that's happened to you since we last talked, I guess? Oh man. Okay. So a lot has happened since we last talked. I think the best thing that happened to me is I had a particularly amazing ayahuasca ceremony uh, about a week ago. I don't even know what that means. It's a plant medicine. It's really great. (laughs) Does that like Um, make you hallucinate? It can, but it's not like a hallucinogen. It's not like a drug, Um, but it can have like those effects. And I had... It was absolutely amazing. It was like flashes of some of my favorite moments in all of life and like trips that I've taken and people that I've been with and like these really beautiful moments of like love and magic. And I also spent most of the ceremony like either singing or like somehow making like just like being joyful. And maybe I think I was driving people a little bit crazy (laughs) um, with my happiness. But it was like the best night of my entire life because it was just full of love and happiness. And I like, and like giggling and like saying things like happy, happy, happy on repeat. <laughs> that was my Oh my experience. God. I can't believe that I haven't heard about this already, even though you've only been back in, in the country for like a day. A day. <laughs> um, wait, so did you ingest this substance? Yes. It's a, it's a drink. Uh huh. It's a plant and then you drink it. Yeah. Like a tea. Yeah, like a tea, except the taste really disgusting. Uh, I can imagine. I want to do this. Yeah, it'll, it'll be so good. Do you think it'll I have so to good. go to Peru to do it? You don't have to go to Peru, but it, it might help. You'll need to like work with a shaman and stuff. I think it, it really helps to be in Peru. That's oh like the magical gosh. land. I want to work to. with a shaman and have a happy, happy, happy singing session. Yeah, I don't know that that's the typical <laughs> experience, but it was mine. <laughs> I think it would be mine too. I think that I've gotten to a place where anytime I have a kind of like altered state of consciousness, I just go to like a higher, happier place, which I think is a really good sign for my growth journey. Totally. Totally is. Just as an aside. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited. We can do it at some point. It'll be great. Oh boy. Is it legal? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not a drug. So, and I know people do it in the U S I think it's just like not as powerful maybe or like magical because it's we can talk about this more off (laughs) (laughs) off the podcast all right hey if anybody has any ayahuasca experiences that they want to share you should email them to us totally we love getting emails yeah we really do i love it it's so good what's the best thing that happened to you this week oh gosh i don't know i've been thinking about all day what i was going to (laughs) say ah Because I just had, like, my birthday was this last week, and there was so much good stuff that happened around that, the amount of love that I felt and the celebration. Um, We did this thing called Escape the Room, which was so fun. made me feel like a super spy. And I loved everyone that I did it with. And then we went to Dallas Barbecue and got those huge margaritas that have the upside-down coronita and the shot of tequila in them. And I had two, which was a mistake, but now I know. (laughs) 
Oh, man, I'm so jealous. I know. I wish you were here. And then the other amazing thing that happened is just like today, I think it finally hit me. Um, The Democratic National Convention is happening right now. And I think today it finally hit me that there is a woman who could quite possibly be the next president of the United States. And I just, oh, that's unbelievable. It's so amazing. And I finally let myself kind of really receive that that's happening in the world. And then I watched this amazing video that Elizabeth Banks made with all these stars singing that song, Mm -hmm. that like, this is my fight song song. Mm -hmm. And I watched it at least 10 times and I just bawled every time. (laughs) You really loved that video. (laughs) Ah, it was so good. I just love, I'm an acapella sucker. That's true. And it just kept getting better every time I thought it couldn't get better. Someone else I loved would pop up in the video. And you know how that goes. At the Mm -hmm. end, Alan Cumming is not even singing. He's just dancing with his dog (laughs) at one point. And I'm obsessed with Alan Cumming right now. So (sighs) So good. Life is great. um, But really one of the best things that happened to me this week is happening right now. Because we've had this episode of the podcast planned since before we ever recorded a single episode Mm. and we've just been waiting for the right time to get here so that it would have been a full year from the event that we're discussing um and so i've been looking forward to this conversation for months oh so good i'm so excited so without further ado i would like to introduce laurel who is our guest today yay laurel hi laurel Hi, everyone. Thanks Yay. for having me. You're so, so welcome. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, Laurel. Yes. You are here to speak with us because about a year ago today, mm-hmm. you were diagnosed with Bell's palsy. Yes, that's right. So, can you tell us just a little bit, I think, about how that all began. I mean, I know there's probably a lot that you could go into about the experience, but maybe how it presented in its life or in your life when you knew that that was, that something was wrong. Yeah. So basically for anyone who doesn't know, Bell's palsy is when half of your face is paralyzed. And most cases people heal within two weeks or even less. And it just comes on and it's really random. But for me, it's been a year and I'm still not 100% healed, which has completely changed my life because one night I went to bed looking as I always look, smiling as I always smile. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning I woke up and I had half my face not working. Um, It was definitely extremely terrifying I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was having a stroke, and it was very scary. I just remember because the night before, like all night, I was having this crazy migraine that was unbearable, so I kept taking medicine, Advil, Tylenol, anything I could find, but I wasn't hungry because my stomach hurt, but I knew if I was going to take more medicine, I had to eat. So when I woke up the next morning, I went into the kitchen to get a banana so I could take more medicine, and the banana was just falling right out of my mouth, and I couldn't oh. chew it. And that's when I was looked in the mirror and saw my face really drooping down on my right side, and 
I st- I went into my roommate's room and I was started throwing up because you know you're just so terrified and panicked and you don't know what's going on. And she brought me to the ER and they did all these tests because they thought it might be um you know a tumor or something. And they were like, it's just Bell's palsy. Don't worry. They gave me steroids and antiviral and they told me you will be healed in two weeks. So that was my life. I was like, two weeks, that's all I have to deal with, and I'll be back to normal. I'll be able to smile again, and everything's going to be okay. And now, a year ago today, I am not 100% healed, but that's only physical because I think I have healed in a lot of different ways. And if I had to go back, and if I had the choice of whether to have Bell's palsy or not, I think I would choose to have it. There's so much that you just said. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. I'm so sorry that you had yes. to experience that. I cannot imagine how frightening that must have been. Yeah. I guess maybe that's what I want to ask you about first is like, what did that kind of fear feel like? And have you ever felt that kind of fear before? Uh, I don't think so. Definitely not. And it didn't hit me until the second day. Because the first day when I went, I just was wanted to make sure that I was okay and that it wasn't anything awful. And so... Once I got the diagnosis of Bell's palsy and they told me it's going to be two weeks, I was like, that made me feel okay. But then that Mm. night, I started looking online and reading all these blogs and watching all these videos, and I called my mom and I was crying, and I asked her, I was like, what if I'm part of the 15 or whatever percent that doesn't heal? Like, what if my face will doesn't ever get better? And then it it kind of hit me that I, this is a face that I now have to recognize as my own. And like, Mm. I was just staring at myself in the mirror and I was really afraid because I was like, I felt all these emotions. Like I felt mad at myself that I didn't appreciate the way I looked before and that I took myself for granted. And then I, I was thinking of all these reasons of what caused it. And my mind was spinning for sure. But, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a mysterious thing, isn't it? I did a little bit of research today before we got on, and in terms of what brings it on, it's almost like they can't always nail it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing that I got from it, too, my research. Yeah, exactly. Like, I still don't, I have no idea what caused it. I think it was a little bit of stress. It was, sometimes I think it's because uh, two weeks before I was diagnosed, I started volunteering at the hospital, and I was entering the pediatrics wing, so they told me that I needed to get another vaccine for the chickenpox just to be extra safe. Mm. So I did, and then two weeks later I got Bell's palsy, and I know that when you, I forget the name, or... Whatever the, when you get chicken pox, when you're an adult, whatever that name is, 
it sometimes causes Bell's palsy. So then I thought maybe it's because of that. They like, they reactivated a virus that was dormant in my body and Mm -hmm. caused that. So I thought maybe that, and I had all of these reasons that could have caused it. I thought it was because I also had an ear infection the week before. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe that could have caused it. Or some people, when I went to acupuncture, they told me it was because of the AC. So I really have no idea how or why this happened. And it's basically, it's been such a lesson in my life because it's basically, we're always like, looking for an answer in something or a reason why. And I've had to basically accept the fact that there is no reason. I do not know why. And this is just what happened. And now I have to just accept it and be okay with it and be happy. Mm. Well, I think we can end there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, not really, but... Well, Laurel, if it's okay with you, I would like to read something that you wrote. Yes, definitely. And ask you how you feel about it now. And I think it might be it might be a lovely experience for you to close your eyes and really receive these words as I read them. Yeah. My jaw throbs from what I think is an ear infection, but it's the pain of a tightly clenched jaw meant to keep my voice silent. My head aches from what I think is a migraine, but it's the mind who is overcrowded with unexpressed thoughts that scare me. My tongue is numb from what I think is a reaction to the amoxicillin, but it's the taste of a palate null of bravery. My face is half paralyzed from what I think is Bell's palsy, but it's the powerlessness of a girl who has lost her courage to think, speak, and be. Doubt your strength, silence your voice, trap your mind, and you will be the powerless girl in front of the mirror. She stares, not in hopes to see a muscle move, but in hopes to see herself again. (laughs) It's crazy hearing that read to me. Because I don't think I've ever, I mean, I've read it so many times and I've, I wrote it, but I don't, I've never heard someone read it to me. What's coming up for you to hear that? It's definitely emotional. It brings me back to where I was and how I was feeling when I wrote it. I was definitely not in a good place when... I was diagnosed with Bell's palsy. I just had, like, a lot of stress, and I was definitely the biggest judge of my life, and I was really hard on myself, which kind of made me clench up and be silent and just want to crawl into a hole and not exist. And I think there was a night where I was just sitting in my room, and I was realizing that I haven't let myself be free so that there, of course, my face just clenched up and locked itself up because I wasn't allowing any part of myself to be free. Wow. I mean, 
You said earlier that if you could go back and choose whether or not for this to happen, that you wouldn't undo it. Yeah, I think, well, I know because today I feel very grateful and I feel like I've learned so much in the past year having to live with something that's so obviously different. You know, like I had to retrain the way that I talk to people, the way that I receive reactions, um, how I laugh even, because mm-hmm. I can't sometimes when I'm in a moment, especially like if I'm in front of someone that I admire, I don't want them to see me laugh because then I that's when it seems the most obvious. So it's all these little things like social cues that I've really had to retrain the way that I am. And it has been a lot of work and a lot of mental and emotional work, but I think that the person I am today is much different than the person I was a year ago. I think that I'm more appreciative of smiles. When Mm. I see someone smile, I think that it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm more appreciative of being able to close my eye. And um, I see beauty differently now. I think that it definitely comes from within. And that what we have on the outside is just meant... We're just... Our bodies are just a tool, and I don't know. I think that there's all these things that I probably would not have thought of ever in my life or ever looked back and thought I should appreciate this, and now I'm just so grateful. I mean, I'm happy for even just being 75% healed. I think Mm -hmm. that's fine. I think that now it's a part of me. It's a part of... It's one of my quirks. It almost goes with every outfit I wear, you know, like I kind of (laughs) like it now. And it's just, I would be much different if I didn't have it. And I think it's important to even like take whatever is happening to us and whatever seems extremely hard and look at it with a different perspective because I went a long time where I was just pitying myself and of course there's some days where I'll be like oh this person didn't like me because they thought that I smiled weird or you know like there Mm. will be times where I'll like crawl back into that hole but then I just remind myself that like if that's the case then that's not someone I want to be around or like you know I just have to retrain the way I think and look at things from the other side and not always be so negative on myself. And I, it's really empowered me in a lot of ways and it's made me use my voice in a lot of different ways. Mm. And I, for that, I am very grateful and happy for the experience. And I still mm. have hope that I'll be a hundred percent healed. <laughs> I may not be today, but maybe one day, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Um, I'm really curious because it's come up a couple of times now about how you were experiencing your life before 
um, you were diagnosed because, you know, you mentioned some stress and you mentioned maybe some ways that you weren't expressing yourself fully before. So I'd love to know more about what was going on with you, how you were experiencing life. You don't have to go into like the laundry list of like, these are all the <laughs> terrible things about my life. <laughs> um, but I'm just really like curious about that. Um, especially yeah. since it seems like you've come such a long way in terms of Definitely. your gratitude. And, yeah. I think and especially in terms of talking about how you have learned to use your voice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I graduated from Mount Holyoke college in 2014 and I left thinking that, I don't know, naively that the job hunt was going to be easy breezy <laughs> and that <laughs> no big deal. I'll just apply and something's going to show up. And it was just rejection after rejection after rejection. And I remember I would just get mad at myself because I would go into interviews knowing that I have to be this confident girl who knows what they're talking about. And then I'd go in there and I would speak so quietly and mm. I wouldn't answer the questions how I planned to. And I was just so embarrassed and so mad at myself all the time because I knew that I was capable of more than I was allowing myself to be. And so I just got really mad at myself and then I just completely gave up and I moved to Seattle and I was staying with a family friend, which was really nice, but I, they, she's has a family. And so I was basically just always home with the kids, helping them where I could because they were housing me. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel guilty in a lot of ways because I was like, I'm still not doing anything productive. I'm now just a live-in nanny. So then I moved to LA and I was given from another family friend, a position as his studio manager slash production assistant. And he's a photographer slash mm -hmm. videographer in LA. And that was a lot of fun, but I also didn't fit in well with LA. I always all of a sudden felt like I wasn't cool enough and I wasn't pretty enough. And I was always trying to be accepted in a mm. lot of different ways. And one of the, a moment that I always think about when I think about my experience in LA was I went to this party and, you know, I don't, when we got dressed and I didn't really think about anything that I was wearing, but when I got to the party, someone came up to me and was like, why are you wearing a cardigan? You look so nerdy. You could be so hot if you would just take that cardigan off and maybe change wow. this and change that and do this and do that. And I was like, oh my God. And instead of being like, I fucking love my cardigan. I'm going to keep it on. <laughs> I went to my friend and I was like, give me your leather jacket. I need to put your leather mm -hmm. jacket on. Like, please, I don't want to be wearing this cardigan. I Give me your leather jacket. So I feel like that one little instance epitomizes, like, it, it's the best example of my entire experience because that's how I felt like I constantly was, mm -hmm. where I just was constantly not, I wasn't standing up for myself in any way. I wasn't saying, this is who I am and I'm okay with it and this is what I'm doing and this, you know, I just was always looking for 
someone to come up to me and say, you're perfect, which, you know, Mm. instead of telling myself you're perfect. And I Mm. think it just really took a toll on me. So I just started not allowing myself to be who I am. And I was afraid of being criticized. So I, you know, it was hard. Mm. So it's like going from being judged with your job search to being judged in like a friend real world situation. And you're just constantly, and you already are judging yourself all the time. So it was all this judgments coming from all different angles. And I was like, I didn't know how to push back. And I think Bell's palsy gave me that voice. It gave me that reason to be like, well, I've had enough and I am who I am, and I think I'm great and powerful and beautiful, so everyone else can fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) You are great and powerful and beautiful. Thanks, guys. um, Something that's coming up for me while you're talking is, um, I don't think it's off topic, maybe slightly, Um, but, you know, they always, they, the, you know, they out there who say things, they always say that when we talk about law of attraction and manifestation and all of that, that you are attracting wherever your vibration is, which in a way is, I think when it comes to physical conditions can be hard to metabolize. Um, I know I had food poisoning not that long ago and I just laid in bed, you know, for like three days being like, why is this happening to me? How did I bring this on? Like, why has my body betrayed me? Mm. I don't know. I just think it can be such a complicated thing when you start to talk about why things manifest in the physical body when you're actually Mm -hmm. thinking about manifestation. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's funny because, so I started going to therapy and I was talking to my therapist about the same thing. And she was saying how, whatever your thoughts are, if you're like mentally unhealthy, you will become physically unhealthy as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. It's, that's a, it's a tough one. Cause you know, I think that people will be. I had a friend who passed away from a very rare and aggressive cancer. And for a long time, it's been really hard for me to reconcile that. I mean, I like that framework that you just used, but that her thoughts were unhealthy enough for them to manifest with that aggressiveness and that um, much pain in her body. Yeah. But at the same time, I I do think there's something to it. And I also know that it's a tricky, that's a tricky thing to talk about. Yeah. I I think think it's really, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I think that part of why it's tricky is because of the perception people have of like, well, then you're just blaming yourself or like, oh, well, why are you blaming Mm -hmm. me for like this thing? But I think that if we just take a moment to take that out of it, like, the the blame or the like fault in it. I think that if you take that out of it, it becomes much more neutral and it becomes much more 
I mean, basically like how Laurel is describing her own experience of you can get into a space of acceptance and almost celebration even if you take that out, because I think Mm -hmm. that's what gives it this like negative charge and this like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is tricky to talk about. This is tricky to think about. But like, we're not saying that Laurel's to blame, you know, like if, and she does, she's not receiving her experience in that way. So I think that if, I think that if, and when we can take that out of it, which obviously takes its own, (laughs) its own process to even get there. Well, right. And I think Laurel, you said that the way that you were relating to this also changed over the course of, you know, the past year. How long Mm -hmm. do you think that it took you to get from the space of being kind of angry and scared to a space of being more accepting Definitely, definitely probably a full 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, one month ago, yeah. that sweet spot. <laughs> no, but when you were saying that, Sally, I was thinking also the fact that, you know, it can be, I mean, it's the fact that it sometimes has a negative charge, I feel like it should also be that much more inspiring because if we have the Mm. power to make ourselves sick, then you can't even imagine the power we have to make ourselves better Mm. and healthy. So Mm -hmm. it's like it almost shows your superpowers, and as long as you are just directing them in the right way and using them the right way, you can do anything Mm. just like you can make yourself sick. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, yeah, I think it definitely is just re looking at something in a different way and realizing that, yeah, everything will have a negative side, but the negative side means that the brighter side is only double that negative, that mm. much brighter. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so good. I hear you and I agree with you. But I know that um, for anyone who's lost someone to any any kind of physical malady, that it can be so hard to stomach that. Yeah. And I think that that's like what requires an even bigger shift in perspective. Um, again, thinking about my friend, you know, I'm I've I've gotten past the space of being like, well, then why couldn't she make herself be well? to looking at it in a way of like, well, it seems as if the reason that she manifested that experience is because her time on this earth was ready to come to a close. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that's hard to stomach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Death is so tricky. And I mean, I always think of my best friends, their cousin, um, she died in a car accident and I wasn't that close to her, but I I knew her well enough. And every time I was around her, I always remember thinking, this girl has such a bright light and it's, I wish I had that. And I remember I went to her funeral and everyone was talking about how much they loved her and how much they had affected their, her life, their lives. And so now every time, like, I think of her, I don't feel sad. I just think of all the people that she, the lives that she's touched. And I think even your friend, Tyla, you think about her and you, you love her. And I think that's like, that's her power. 
and yeah. that's what she's done. Mm-hmm. She's touched lives, and she's made people smile and laugh and miss her, and that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a totally, it's totally a gift. Also, she came to me in my ceremony. <laughs> she really? did? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Ah, and I okay, just wait. kept <laughs> repeating her name. <laughs> Oh, oh boy all right now i'm really gonna cry um is that gospel music i hear in the background oh yep that is the church underneath where That's i love so singing gorgeous. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, boy. Oh, laurel boy. lives above a church and they only have services what like once a week uh on saturday or on sunday and wednesday uh, sunday in the morning chosen to record right while you're <laughs> it's amazing it's so beautiful yeah it really is <laughs> so funny i want to know about the kind of joy that exists in your life oral and i know that that's kind of a vague prompt but i'm feeling called to just ask you about joy and how your relationship to joy has changed um, let me think. I can tell in a lot of ways, like even the most simple tasks, daily tasks that I go through, I can tell how my, how I appreciate them more. You know, I think like I live with my siblings, so that's a constant source, source of joy for me. I come home and they're here, two people that I love and it's comfortable and I am used to it, so that's a source of joy. I think having a more stable life with is brings me joy. It's definitely helped stabilize my thinking in a lot of ways. Um, my bed brings me joy. I mm. took a long time. <laughs> I know it's so silly, but I built it and I made all the throw pillows myself and What? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like put so much effort into it, so it's my little cloud of heaven. And so it definitely brings me a lot of joy. How did you build your bed? <laughs> it's really easy, honestly. You just get two pieces of plywood and you put them on you put them on cinder blocks and then you put your mattress on top and then oh, you boy. have a floating bed. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. Handy woman tips for me. <laughs> this podcast covers everything. <laughs> True. Oh man. But yeah. That is a hard question because, you know, I definitely feel myself happier. I feel my heart, like, you know, you know when you're really excited and that feeling when you're like, you can actually feel your heart open. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was sad, I never felt that feeling. And now sometimes, like even in the most random moments, I'll just feel it as if I'm about, I'm in line for a roller coaster. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited right now. And it's just like a pure happiness and joy for like, I don't know, anything. I mean, I feel it right now. So. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay. It's almost like I know exactly what you're talking about, about feeling that kind of joy and also feeling like 
like it's something that you really didn't have in your life before. But I also feel like when I think back to who I was as a child, it's almost like that, Hmm. like the childlike Hmm. joy. Yeah. When everything is huge and monumental and it's like Mm -hmm. the first time that you're experiencing whatever (laughs) and you're just in awe of life. Yeah. Definitely. Because even when I'm super joyful and excited, I definitely act silly as if I'm a child. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Life's a miracle, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting because I, I know Laurel in person, but I've only known, only known you for like, what, two months? Yeah. And so I don't know anything of you before your Bell's Palsy. And I can't imagine a not joyful version of you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so nice. (laughs) I know, it's kind of crazy, because, I mean, when I think of who I was a year ago and, like, how sad I was and just not happy in any way... It's crazy because my entire life, I never thought I would be in that place. I was like, I am strong. I don't have anything, like, I to be sad about. And, you know, I just, like, never thought that that would be me. And then there I was struggling so much and just unable to... I didn't even... It's like this feeling of not even knowing who you are or what you stand for. It's like there, I was just like living like in this empty body. There was no life in it. And I just like didn't know how to function. I just knew if, if some, it's basically like, I basically was reading a manual. I knew to wake up. I knew to eat. I knew to like take a shower, but I didn't know how to fulfill myself. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know anything because I was letting everyone else decide that for me. So how did you, I guess, like get to this point? I mean, you, you diagnosed, you're angry, you're upset. Obviously you made some changes to your life. I mean, it sounds like you moved for one. Um, (laughs) so what was that process like of evolving after that? It was probably one of the most difficult times in my life because I knew, so I was just, I was given this position in New York. So I knew I had a job in New York, but then I was all of a sudden not sure if I wanted to leave LA because Mm. it's scary having to like pick up your life and move. And I was living with my best friend, you know, just because I didn't really like the city. I felt like there's potential here. I can be happy here. But I think my subconscious just knew that I didn't want to be there because one day I I skipped my flight to New York and my entire family was very upset. Hmm. And I was like on the phone with my parents and I was just crying as if like I had never cried before in my entire life. It was just pouring out of me. And I was just sitting on the bathroom floor in my best friend's room, just bawling and bawling. And then so, and then I asked my parents, I said, please come out to LA. So they got in a plane the next day and they came 
And I think, like, the universe was just telling me because they came and I was just so happy to see them, but then also so sad that I was going to let them leave without me Mm. because I had decided I'm going to stay in L.A., And then I was going to one of my jobs in L.A., and my car would not start. It wouldn't move. And so I was just like, I it doesn't want me to go anywhere. So I, and my Vivi, my best friend, she wasn't home, so I couldn't take her car, and she was asleep. So I just said to, I came back inside, and I said, I want to go home. I want to go back to New York. I don't want to be here. So that day I got in a plane, and I came back to New York, And I just knew, I knew I wasn't in a good place. And I was like, I just want to help myself. Like, I need to make sure that I'm okay because I'm not okay. And it was like the first time that I had admitted that I was just not okay. So I went to therapy and that really helped. And I just started to think about everything that I wanted and it wasn't and I was just in a place where I didn't care what anyone else had to tell me you know I was so used to I was so influenced by everyone else's opinion and I just for once wanted to make a decision for myself that had no one else's name on it and I decided to take this time while being in New York to not think about whether I was going to move back to LA. I mean, all my stuff was still there and I didn't decide if I was going to stay in New York. And I just had this bubble that I made for myself. And I decided I'm going to sit in this bubble. I told, I told everyone that I don't talk to me. I didn't respond to any text messages. And I said, I need to help myself. That's all I want to do right now. And I just, it was like boot camp, emotional boot camp. And I just sat with myself and I listened to myself and I said, what do you want, Laurel? What makes you feel happy? And I just listened to my feelings and followed them with every step and whatever made me feel good. That's how I made my decisions. And I felt myself in LA and then I felt myself in New York and New York made me feel happier. So I said, I'm going to stay in New York. Mm. And then that's how I slowly started regaining joy and happiness and all of these positive things because I just listened to the way I felt. With If I didn't know the answer mentally, if I couldn't figure out what was best for me, I just felt it. And whatever felt mm. better, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. How long mm. ago was this? This was in April. So not that long ago. No. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I've been putting a lot of energy toward trying to live my life that way. And for some reason, it's not instinctive. And it it seems obvious, but in the moment, it's not always. Do you find that you're still living life that way? Or was it like you had your bubble and you were really in that space and now you're just living life normally again. No, I think I'm definitely, because it, it is, it's a conscious effort. You know, I think it's, it's it's mental. It's like working out your mind. You know, you have to Mm. think about it and you have to be aware of the way you're thinking. You have to make sure that you're not letting your thoughts run away because 
my thoughts tend to run in places that I don't want to go, but somehow I end up there. Oh, girl, I feel you. <laughs> so I have to make the physical effort to stop them and to think about something else or to think about or say out loud what I'm happy about or grateful for or just to... It's an effort. It's really hard work. Sometimes it's exhausting, and but it depends on the day. Some days I can have a great day, and some days I will all of a sudden be super quiet and in my head, and I just can't bear to, like, my thoughts just overwhelm me, and they're just running and running and running and running, and those days are hard, but some days it's easier. And those are always good days. Yeah. you have, like, a certain strategy that you employ in those moments when your thoughts are running away with you? Like, lately I've been, like, talking out loud to my ego. I'll be like, listen up, ego. I see you, <laughs> yeah. and I know what you're trying to do, and I'm not on board. Um, I'm just wondering if you have any, like, strategy for how you um, how you do that mental workout. It depends. Like, when I'm really obsessing over something, I have tried that once. Like, I once was driving in the car, and I put... I, like, couldn't get something out of my mind, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to myself. So I, like, put <laughs> a, a recorder on my phone, and I just talked to myself as, like, just said it. everything, any thought that was in my mind, I said out loud so that I could see it objectively and be like wow, that doesn't make sense, and that's not <laughs> anything good. And then I re-listened to it, and when I re-listened to it, I was, like, basically talking to myself, and I was like, no, Laurel, no. And <laughs> This is brilliant. I want to do that. <laughs> it was really helpful, but to be honest, I, that was, like, my first and only time I ever did it, even though I was like, this was great, I need to do it all the time. But on a daily basis, I think I just, I just think about why... I am lucky and what I have mm. to be grateful for. And I think about, I think about my family a lot. I always think about everything they do for me. And that always instantly snaps me out of it because I think I'm very lucky to have them. Mm. And I think about my friends and just any person that has crossed my path that has been a loving person I think about. And I just feel the feeling that I feel when I'm around them and all the love. And then I just, I instantly forget anything that I was going crazy about. Hmm. Well, I want to ask, cause I do this. <laughs> Sorry. Going back to what you were saying about talking to yourself on the recording, which I'm <laughs> yeah. going to try. Um, it sounds like so much fun. Um, and you said that it was really wonderful the one time you did it. And I want to know, why you haven't done it again because I often will do something and then I'll be like that was really wonderful and it felt very supportive to me and it really helped me and I'm gonna do it all the time and then I'll never do it again and I've been trying to understand that pattern in my own life so I'm wondering mm -hmm. I'm like want to call you out a little bit and be like well if that was so helpful why don't you do that right I know I mean I definitely think about that too and I think to be honest it was just daunting it was hard you know because it's easy to keep my negative thoughts trapped in my mind, and I'm like, oh, no one, I don't need to say this out loud. 
And, like, thinking about having to sit down and record myself and say it out loud, it's scary, you know? I get Mm. scared because I'm scared of my own thoughts, and sometimes I'm scared that if I say it out loud, it'll be the opposite effect, and I'll just get mad at myself for thinking it because I'm definitely a hard critic to myself. So I think it's just... I just get afraid. It's it's basically like when you're in a fight with your, a friend and you're afraid to confront them. It's like I'm afraid to confront myself as if I'm in a fight with mm. myself, you know? I just don't want to hear myself say it. So then I'm just like, okay, let me... And then, I, and then also time and other normal things that happen... Yeah, like, when do you find the time in the day to sit down and record yourself right. and then have a conversation with the recording? <laughs> right, exactly, it. exactly. That's, like, two hours of my day gone. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, what you're saying about not wanting to confront yourself because I think that that's probably the exact same reason why I don't do the things that I know are supportive. But at the same time, I'm like, isn't my whole goal in life right now to confront myself and to change these limiting thoughts and limiting patterns so that I can evolve into the person that I want to be. I I just love that you put it like that. And the fact that you said you're afraid to confront yourself makes me want to confront myself more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. One time, (laughs) I'm going to just briefly share a story about the scariest time I ever had to do that because I think (laughs) that you'll be interested. I was at a I was at a personal growth event, a small event. There were maybe 10 people in the room. And it was the kind of situation where we were journaling, but the person who was leading the session could really tell that something major was coming up for me. And it's interesting because the thing that was coming up was actually about the death of my friend, Jenny, who I was speaking of earlier. And the coach... It was my coach, Tara, who I've also spoken about before. And she, she was like, do you, are you ready to go there and confront this? And I, I was like, yes, because <laughs> you don't say no in that kind of situation. <laughs> and I thought that she and I were going to have a back and forth and she was going to kind of gently guide me through. I'm going to cry just talking about it. Guide me through kind of releasing some of the emotions that I was holding around my friend's death. But instead... <laughs> Oh my God. She had me do something that's called a gestalt. And I think it's a practice that is known in the therapeutic worlds. I haven't actually done any research on it, but basically she had me get up in front of a room of people. I was only like 10 or 12 people. Oh God. Sorry, these sounds terrifying. Oh, just wait. Because basically I had to do what you did with the recording, but with my eyes closed out loud in real time so it's like you sit in a chair and that's the space that you're inhabiting and then there's an empty chair facing you and that space is supposed to represent the truth Mm -hmm. and so you sit in the one chair and you speak from the space you're inhabiting from the beliefs that you're holding right now and you talk and you talk and you talk until you feel like you've gotten to a place where you're ready to speak the truth And it's talking about the truth, like the highest truth, you know, Mm -hmm. the truth from your highest self or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have to physically stand up and sit in the other chair and speak from the position of the truth until you start to have negative 
something come back up in your head and then you switch chairs again. And you go back and forth, speaking to your own truth. And it was uh, so terrifying. It took me like a good two or three minutes to even start. I just like sat there in silence, was paralyzed and couldn't even talk because it was that same kind of thing where I was like, I don't want to hear myself Mm. say these things out loud. Yeah. Um, And it adds such like another layer when it's not just to the comfort of yourself, it's to all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, what? And I couldn't even open my eyes. I couldn't look at anybody, you know, and I was just like, I must look like a crazy person, (laughs) you know, and it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. And I think that in that moment, I, I put down everything that I had been carrying around Mm -hmm. the death of this friend. Um, And I thought in that moment, I was like, this is brilliant. I should do this (laughs) all the time with everything. And my coach, Tara, she said, sometimes I do this alone in my room. I'll get two chairs and I'll face them to each other and I'll do it. But it's also not the kind of thing that you can just do every day. Right. That level of confrontation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's definitely intense and it's like it requires a certain mindset, mindset, you know, Like, I think if I did that every day, I would be so exhausted. I'd probably never have the energy to see anyone. I'd probably Mm. go crazy, honestly. I don't know. I was just thinking, I think if I, not the intense, intense version that I was just talking about, (laughs) but (laughs) maybe the the version that you were talking about earlier. I feel like if I did that every day, I would, I would get in great shape mentally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, because in that book, Untethered Soul, I don't know. That's my favorite book. Is it really? Yes. Ah. I have it by my bed always. Oh, my gosh. Well, what I was going to say is, you know how he talks about in the beginning um, how if the voice in your head was a person outside of you, you would just think that they were absolutely crazy and you would never, ever <laughs> listen to them. It's true. And I guess that is part of the power of like learning to externalize those thoughts. Yeah. Cause when you can externalize them, it's easier to be like, Oh, that's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And I think it's true because I mean, I write in my journal all the time and that's like the less, intense version for me to like when I in comparison to speaking to myself and that's always has helped me because I can write down my crazy crazy thoughts and then by it's interesting because like with each entry it always starts off like really rampant and crazy and then by the end it smooths out and I'm like oh this is why that was crazy and everything's okay yeah almost like a version of self-soothing mm-hmm definitely mm-hmm. Oh boy. it's like we get so well I actually I have another question for you Laurel and this goes back to something that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. before the onset of your bells and you were talking about kind of feeling I don't know if you use these words but this is how I received it um, kind of being like a shell of a person Mm-hmm. Were you aware of the extent to which you felt that way? 
Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think I knew that I definitely, that there was something wrong, but I didn't think it was out of my reach. I mean, it wasn't, but I think, like, I never, I don't know. Well, the reason I ask is because when you were describing that period of your life and you're like, I didn't know who I was or what I liked, it sounded to me exactly how I felt before I lost my job last year. Um, and I knew that I was not happy, but I had no idea how truly unhappy I was until yeah. something happened that like woke me up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely how I, I was. I mean, I knew I was unhappy and I just, yeah, exactly. Bell's palsy kind of was my wake up call and it was like, you need to help yourself. Mm. Sally, I'm wondering if you've ever had anything like that, a big wake up call moment. Um, hmm. Well, I've talked before about how miserable I was at my old job, the last job that I ever had. Um, and like drinking at work and that sort of thing. There was actually a specific thing that happened with one of my coworkers, um, where he sort of, I felt had betrayed my trust. And even though that seemed, I think, smaller than everything else that was happening, um, I think that that really impacted me on a much deeper level in ways that I didn't even realize until afterwards. Um, and I think for me, that's, that's the first thing that came to me. I like, I couldn't believe that I was the type of person who could invite that into my life. And I think that by having that happen, it was sort of like the last straw. It was like, if there's anything else, if I need any other sign that this life is not working for me, then this is it. Um, but I didn't experience it that way in, until a few months later when I was removed from it. And I kind of looked back on it and was like, why am I still carrying this around? And then, and I, that, that was why it was because it was this representation for me of like everything that was wrong hmm. with my life at that point. It's kind of like, I don't know, I feel kind of like things happen to try to wake you up and maybe they just get bigger and bigger and bigger until yeah. you pay attention. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Which is interesting because for me, it was losing my job for Laurel. It was, you know, having half of her face <laughs> completely <laughs> paralyzed, which I cannot, I guess, even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that I you think... paid attention, Sally, before something catastrophic happened in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that that's part of why this shift into learning from pleasure and, like, learning from things that feel good has been so interesting because I wonder now sometimes if... And this is a, this is an awareness that I'm really just having now. <laughs> um, oh, I like, love that in the moment awareness. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I wonder if part of me has been delaying things like some growth things because I think that it can get better. 
Hmm. I wonder if like I have not been fulfilling some of my desires because if I'm on a roll with this like learning from pleasure thing, which I really feel like I am like constantly, um, then maybe I'm delaying it so that the next lesson will feel even better. But I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's really interesting. <laughs> I don't want I don't like that. So <laughs> um Well good yeah, thing you're um, having this very gentle awareness in this yes, moment. I mean absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited for that to be done and to just let things get better and better while yeah, while like accepting awesomeness. <laughs> and not by denying myself my pleasures. <laughs> Laurel, I want to know if, I know over the course of this year, you've been able to completely shift the way that you are relating to your Bell's palsy. And I want to know if you think that the way that you relate to anything that happens in the day-to-day that you can consider a negative experience has also changed. Like, is it a little bit like, oh, well, compared to Bell's palsy, this is no big deal. Or have you learned to look at it in a way that's more like, is this serving me in some way? Hmm. I don't know. Does Hmm. that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's interesting because to be honest, like I've never thought of that, you know, I think, um, I often forget that I have Bell's palsy. So, and especially when like I have a busy day or I get swept up in whatever is going on, I still can get easily annoyed or mad at the smallest things. And it sometimes Mm. doesn't even hit me to think like, take a step back. You have so much to be grateful for. This is not something to be mad about, you know? And I, I think that's like definitely maybe something I should start trying to do or trying to like think about and be like, listen, this is the least of your worries and don't worry about it. It's fine. But yeah, honestly, like, I don't think, I mean, maybe subconsciously, definitely it has, but not, I can't think of a specific time where I've been consciously aware of something negative happening that was minute and compared to having Bell's palsy. Hmm. Sally, do you have anything to add about that? Well, I think it's interesting, though, because the way that you were talking before about, like, the gratitude that you have and, like, and that you allow yourself to to experience, maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit. I guess it's, like, my, my point. <laughs> I wonder if you are, because the way that you talk about it, it does seem like, it seems like, you are, you do have a much better grasp over like, maybe not necessarily, oh, well, this isn't as bad as this, like X isn't as bad as Y. Maybe you don't frame it that way, but it does seem like you're still like, why am I stressing over X? My life is amazing. Right. So I wonder if you can just like really let yourself own that you do, like you, you have been shifting, you have been growing, you have been really evolving and allowing yourself to go to really good places, even if I don't think that it ever goes away that like the anger at really tiny things. <laughs> Especially like, not if you live in New York. <laughs> yeah. I feel like even the most enlightened people have bad days or like right. have bad moments. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that you should give yourself a little bit more credit for where you're at right now. Yeah. 
Sally and I really love to point out when our guests are not giving themselves enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Because you're awesome. Keep being awesome. Thanks, guys. This has been yes. so nice. I'm, so, I'm honestly... I was so nervous, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, but this has been really nice talking mm. to you guys. You guys are great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've been looking forward to this conversation for literal months. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, I, think I, I think Laurel was probably like the first podcast guest that I confirmed. <laughs> It was very exciting. I remember I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> Yay. I'm so happy. Yeah. So, Laurel, if you could go back to a year ago today and speak to yourself from where you are now, what would you say? I think I would say, take a deep breath, Laurel. You are okay. You are only 23 years old. You don't need to figure out your life right now. There is a path for you, and you will end up where you need to end up. So just be kind to yourself and trust in yourself. I think that everybody can benefit from that message. Totally. Mm. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> Put it on a little, little postcard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and usually at the top of the show, except for lately, I've been forgetting and not doing it, but the way we used to do it, we would ask everybody to sum up, you know, a year ago today, how are you feeling in one word? I didn't do that, but I want to ask you right now, as you look back, at a year ago today, how are you feeling in this moment? Terrified. <laughs> no, now you're feeling now. Oh, oh, now. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. I've not been clear. <laughs> so terrified would have been your word at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So now I feel open. Mm. Mm. I love that so much. <laughs> How do you guys feel? Blessed. Oh. Yeah. I feel really honored mm -hmm. to be here having this conversation with you and to know you. And, yeah. And so grateful that I'll be able to share this conversation with other people. Yeah. Nervous to hear myself speak <laughs> on a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> It gets better. If you do, like, I feel like with each episode, I mind my voice less and less, <laughs> which is good because I think that I'm talking more and more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hilarious. Well, Laurel, thank you so, so much for talking with us. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This has been very enjoyable and therapeutic, honestly. Mm, Just have me on the Ooh. podcast every time. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we still, well, this could be a little teaser. Um, Laurel lives here in New York and her best friend lives in LA and I live in New York and Sally lives in LA. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to do something 
with the four of us at some yeah. point in the not too distant future. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. so TBD. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> I guess TBD. <laughs> All right, so Laurel, if any of our listeners would like to find you on the internet, where would they look? You can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is kind of difficult, so I'm going to spell it out. <laughs> it's L R L B L C N F F. Oh, it's just your name without any vowels. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Great. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find you earlier and I couldn't, so I went to your sister's Instagram <laughs> account and I found you that way and I felt, I felt like true detective. True detective, <laughs> for sure. Not a stalker. <laughs> Since my escape the room experience this last weekend, I'm really feeling pretty unstoppable. <laughs> That's so cool. I want to do that one weekend. It sounds fun. Oh, well, I want to go with you when you go, so. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so Sally, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, Find me at Sally Simply on all of the social media. Um, I keep feeling like I'm going to snap chat. Snap or chat? Is it? I don't know. Snap? Snapchat. No, it's it's called Snapchat. Yeah, but do people say that they're going to snap? I think people say Snapchat. Sometimes I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I'll be like, snap me a pic, you know, but Uh, I think it's uh. like. Just my lingo, maybe. If you told me to snap you a pic, I would just take a picture. Yeah, and just send it to you. (laughs) But also, I feel like lately, everything I'm listening to and reading has been so saturated about Snapchat, and I just cannot get on board. weird. I'm 29 now. It makes me feel old. (laughs) All right. Um, Great. All that. So you can't find us on Snapchat unless Sally starts snapping. Yeah, maybe I will. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm on tylafowler.com or Tyla M. Fowler on Instagram. Also, you can find A Year Ago Today on Facebook, or you can email us to talk about any of your ayahuasca experiences <laughs> or anything that you want to share about today's episode that resonated with you or any questions that you have for any of us. Mm-hmm. Just any reason that you can think of to send us an email, please yeah. do. Our email address is a year ago podcast at gmail.com. Very oh, simple. <laughs> please do email us. We love um, it. Oh, oh somebody's somebody, here. Somebody's at Tyler's. <laughs> no, it's not my house. It's, it's my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it's Theo. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, tell Theo I said hey. Um, all right. I think that's it. Oh, great. Our theme music is by the amazing Zena Hell. Yeah, you can follow her, Z-Y-N-A-H-E-L, on all of the social media also. All right, I think that's it for us. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, you guys. Thanks, Laurel. Bye. Bye. Bye.